Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Scarlett Maltman. And my name is Kathy Reid. And this week we are joined by the gorgeous Jed Berry. Jed is currently strutting his stuff in the West End show of Kinky Boots. Jed, how are you today? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So Jed, welcome to Industry Minds and thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before we begin, I've got a very important question for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Are you related to Mary Berry? <laughs> not Mary Berry and not Halle Berry. I'm sorry <laughs> to report. Can you bake? Well, my mum owns a deli, so there's a lot of cakes going on there. Um, I, it must be in the jeans, I reckon. I hope. Do you have any cakes for us today? You know what? I've missed a trick, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a really bad edit of this podcast now because I haven't brought you guys cakes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we're going to start with a little word association game. You know how it rolls. Okay, here we go. Heels. Painful. <laughs> Acceptance. Important. Spotlight renewal. Painful. (laughs) (laughs) Pressure. Necessary. Ooh, interesting. (laughs) Uh, Showman's. Avoidable. (laughs) (laughs) Jockstrap. Painful. A lot of pain here. Uh, <laughs> relaxation. Oh, vital. Takeaway. Like, like the food? Vital. <laughs> <laughs> Love this. A lot of vital things and a lot of painful things in, uh, in Jed's life. <laughs> Amazing. So, we are thrilled that you contacted us to come on chat. Why did you want to get involved with Industry Minds? Well, uh, I don't know who I saw. Someone had retweeted something that you guys had posted when you guys were first getting set up. It's just such an important thing. And it's such um, there's an upsurgence of awareness about mental health in artists, not just in the theatrical industry. And it's so important um, in, in every industry. And it's when we work in such an oversaturated and unreliable industry, you lose so much security as it is. Um, and it's just something I feel completely passionate about. As someone that's, you know, I've had my fair share of mental health issues, I'm sure most people have. Um, and I think when we choose to become performers specifically, we sort of sacrifice a lot of stability yeah. and therefore sometimes mental stability. And it's something that I think needs to be, you know, I'm not, I hope there's a way that we can change it and um, sort of revive how we look at these things. But equally, I think it's just a lot about accepting that we're all in this together and that we all face yeah. hard times and good times you know no absolutely so how long have you been involved within the creative arts so I mean I started doing performances when I was probably like eight years old and before that many in my bedroom yeah. <laughs> I forced my family to sit before through sure um but I did like my first amateur show when I was probably eight years old and quite quickly actually was lucky and got a first, my first few professional jobs as a child locally. Yeah, great. Um, and got an agent off the back of that and just sort of kept going really and just sort of snowballed out of control. <laughs> so was it quite intense from a young age for you then? Yeah, no, it really was. Um, completely from my own choice and I brought it upon myself really and my family... Uh, are completely supportive but never ever pushed me to do anything I didn't want to do um, but just constantly ferried me 
anywhere I needed to go for rehearsals or auditions or anything. But yeah, I, I think because I sort of got an agent when I was nine, ten years old, um, yeah, which was very valuable and has really helped me, I think. But equally, I was exposed to sort of the brutality of this industry really early on. So I think sort of knowing that I, I still wanted to go to drama school, I still wanted to keep moving forward, I sort of knew the kind of thick skin I'd have to grow, really. So yeah, so I've been doing it for, gosh, like 14, 15 years now. Yeah. Did, would you say you lost a sense of your childhood from doing it from such a young age? Did you feel that you had to grow up so quickly? Um, possibly, yeah. Um, again, through my own choice, I think as a child I was always one of those people that's desperate to sort of like hang out with the cool kids, like the older kids and the more mature people and, and I'd look up to people and want to be doing what they're doing. So yeah, I probably did intentionally do that to myself, I guess. Um, and then when I was 13, I was really lucky and went on tour with The Sound of Music. Um, so I was away from home for long stretches of time. But you know, I, I sort of got a lot of independence pretty quickly. So yeah, I guess so, I guess. Did that answer the question? Yeah, no, absolutely. So how has your mental health changed over the years since you've been involved in theatre? Talk us just through your journey um, of mental health. Sure. To be honest, and I only sort of, it was when I was speaking to a friend not long ago, I realised I probably have always had issues with anxiety since being a child and never quite maybe knew what it was, never, you know, acknowledged it or maybe even accepted it and just sort of carried on moving forward so for you know as a child and as a teenager it was all I wanted to do I was so driven and determined just to do anything I could and just kept going um and then when I got into drama school that was sort of the first time that I realized that I was feeling maybe not that I had anxiety issues but definitely that I was feeling anxious and from there I went through a few years sort of from the year before moving to drama school sort of until I mean really after I started in Kinky Boots um just sort of not struggling but really coping with uh, and not coping at times with anxiety issues and it's sort of taken me another year and a half or so to sort of now that I've fully acknowledged it just sort of help myself and work my way out of it but yeah the more I look back on it I think it's always sort of been there and now that I know that's fine but yeah I guess it was years and years and years of sort of built up anxiety that all started to manifest itself sort of in my late teen years really what are the kind of pinpoints for you of of anxiety well it must have been about a week before I was supposed to move down to drama school and I was gonna chuck in a real quick lightning visit up to Edinburgh which way (laughs) Scotland Uh, because I had some friends who were studying up there um it was a very stupid story. I sort of slept in, missed the train, went to the train station, tried to get another train, and all of a sudden, like, I couldn't feel my legs properly and felt like I couldn't breathe and sort of jumped in a taxi and went home and thank God my mum was actually in the house and I just sort of kind of broke down a bit and had no idea what was really going on and sort of after I sort of realised that that was a panic attack and sort of the first one that I'd experienced. And then throughout my time at GSA, I didn't... I sort of had general sort of anxiety just sort of about it's a, it's a big deal you know moving to drama school and it's a lot of pressure and there's a big demand and you're around a lot of incredibly talented people and all that kind of stuff there was one night I woke up um I was at my boyfriend at the time's house and I just couldn't breathe 
again, didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't think I was feeling anxious, just sort of couldn't breathe. I ended up being in hospital for, hospital for a few days. And again, that sort of, it slowly sort of manifested itself that actually it was, I was really worried about a, a number of things. Um, and that slowly started to develop into, I, don't, I, didn't, I never got diagnosed or anything, uh, but I guess like um, some kind of like fit or seizure that I just sort of completely lose physical control of my body, which was scary, really scary. Like there would be just sort of shaking and I guess kind of like a convulsion. I did some research at the time um, and there can be like anxiety related fits basically where your brain's sending the wrong electrical signals to parts of your body and you just kind of shut down. I don't know why I didn't ever go get it diagnosed. Maybe a fear of having a proper answer or maybe a pride thing for me maybe um but yeah sort of from my first year at drama school all the way up until not long before I left I would struggle with these kind of weird fits and sort of shortness of breath and just yeah it was pretty to most drama school as amazing as it was it's a little bit of a blur for me from beginning to end really obviously I do remember it but the whole thing is a, a little less vivid than the rest of my life I think just because I had a lot going on in my head and was kind of refusing to cope with it and start to deal with it and it was only sort of when I got a job and I felt like I had some stability and some security that actually I had time to be able to take stock and take some time for my mental health and and improve it and yeah and yeah, I think that's the thing about drama school because it's such a heightened environment and it really isn't an accurate representation of life at all. And you kind of just feel like you have to get get on with it to get through your three years. It must have been difficult to think, oh no, I don't want to be diagnosed with this because it's going to like set me off where the kind of direction I'm going in. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, I think something that's evolved a lot since drama school is... I think I was probably a bit overly proud um, and definitely felt like I had to save face a lot, even at drama school amongst people that, you know, uh, who are good friends. But And sort of since then, I've, you know, learned that, to accept that sometimes, I, you know, we have bad days and we all do. And to be honest, this might be, a, I hope, not an ignorant thing to say. I feel like everyone faces mental health and I think it's just part of the human condition that we go through times of positive mental health and, you know, less helpful mental health. And the more that we accept that and just sort of move on with it, the better. But, you know, I think I spent my time at, G at Guildford just cracking on with it and not wanting to give up and just sort of kept going, really, which probably wasn't very helpful, to, but, yeah. What, was there any other main struggles for you whilst you were at drama school that maybe added to your mental health in good or bad ways? Um, probably not negatively. Um, no, I mean, it's a high-pressured environment, but something that I was ready for, or thought I was ready for at least, and sort of really responded well to. Positively, yeah. I mean, you know, I had, I had two relationships with drama school, both with the most amazing boys who were so caring and kind and had some amazing times with them and made some friends for life and... Yeah, I had the most amazing support system. I, I can't speak for any other drama school, but it really did feel like a family. And th there was no uh, sort of hatred or anything like that. There was no backstabbing, really. Um, so, yeah, I had an you know, amazing support system around me. So even if I didn't really want to show them, you know, I did feel comforted by those people. Yeah. So, 
If you could write a letter to yourself at any point during drama school from the person that you are today, what would you say? Oh god, this is like have you ever seen RuPaul's Drag Race? You know, in like the last session where they pull out the pictures. It's very that. Yeah, what would you say before you <laughs> Um Gosh. Yeah, no, I mean it'd probably be pretty short, it'd probably just be chilled the fuck out. Yeah. Um stop putting pressure on yourself. Um you know, have faith have faith in, in what you bring to the party and you don't need to try so hard or worry so hard about what's going to happen um, yeah I think chill the fuck out basically <laughs> it'd be pretty simple enjoy it enjoy it that's probably it drink more alcohol uh, that, that wasn't too much of an issue <laughs> <laughs> so you graduated GSA in the summer of 2017 and you got King Kubits while you were at college which is amazing uh, did the security of having a West End job improve your mental health or did you feel the pressure of having a West End job no it really really did um, I mean I guess it's a kind of smugness about it I guess um, you know it's what I just spent three years training to do and just to have it handed to me was just kind of it's just the most amazing look, look that you could ever get you know just right time right place to the, to the T really but um yeah, absolutely. I, th- there's, I think there was a, a bit of, I wouldn't say like anxiety in a negative way, but an anxiety of like, oh my God, like, this is quite a big deal for me. And it's like, it was the dream show for me as well. So it was kind of like, oh God, this is a really big deal. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It felt like everything had been worth it, I guess. And that, you know, years and years of hard work has paid off. So yeah, I think... Yeah, it was just it felt like complete stability, and I don't know. My my friend's just about to start in uh, Les Mis, and uh, she was saying like it feels like this weird feeling that I haven't felt before, and we both w- uh, figured out that it feels like you've been initiated into like a secret agency. <laughs> like, it feels like very elite. And you're like oh, part of the, but yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. Did you experience any negativity when you got that from maybe? friends that you thought were friends or you know did you experience that whole other side to it and how did that affect you um not particularly no um I mean I've got the most amazing friends um one of my best friends in the world Alex who was my housemate at the time was also in the final round and so we were living together we were auditioning together um and he didn't get it which was a real real shame but he was the most gracious friend about it that I could imagine you know I couldn't imagine the disappointment that he must be feeling and he was still the most supportive friend and happy for me and yeah um no I don't think there was much negativity or if there was it was behind my back so I didn't really notice it which is fine whatever um no absolutely not I I think you've always got to be sensitive like we were at drama school we were all there for the same cause you know to get a job and I was lucky and got that so you know I I guess I was kind of sensitive to not brag too much I hope I hope maybe 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 my friends would disagree but I hope so um yeah yeah uh no I don't think so okay so the both of us uh we've not had West End contracts yet we may we may do (laughs) may do in the future fingers crossed (laughs) um 
And there's definitely this impression that it's the kind of shiny, glittery lights of the Strand or Leicester Square, um, where everything's perfect and you've made it and it's great. Um, what come? What are the struggles that come with being an actor in the West End? What's the actual reality of it? Well, I think you're right. I mean, it's the dream. You know, it's what so many of us aspire to, and it is a bit of a dream come true. And I would be lying if I didn't say it was absolutely amazing. But, you know, any job is a job. And, you know, we all have days where we don't want to be there. <laughs> um, when you're doing a long run of something, it's it's a case of finding how to keep it fresh, how to do what you're supposed to do, but still, um, still enjoy it, you know. Yeah, I've been in the show for over a year now, and I'm really glad I still enjoy it, but... You know, I was working with cast members who had sort of checked out a bit by the end of the last contract. And fair enough, you know, it's a really long time. And you're surrounded by the same people, you know, especially the angels in the show. There's six of us plus one of the swings in our dressing room. And there's the angels. We don't see anyone else in the show, really. So we arrive on stage together. We leave the stage together. We don't see, we don't see anyone. Um, so that's a lot of time uh, together and we, we get ready together we do the show together you know sometimes we socialize after the show together so for me that was a, a big learning of how to not deal with people in a, in a negative way but just how to be around that many people in a very very sort of enclosed environment for a really long time um and i think to us that's probably a big part of what sort of improved my mental health was sort of figuring out how other people worked and because you, you really are sort of in a claustrophobic little, literally claustrophobic, little tiny little dressing room with all of us in it. You sort of see how other people work and their, their mental processes and what makes them tick and how they act on certain days and, you know, vice versa. And, you know, I'm sure they do the same for me. Um, and just realising the world doesn't quite revolve around just me. And, you know, <laughs> you, you have to sort of find your own place in the dynamic of the group. Um which was in, it was genuinely very interesting. I've learned a lot about sort of people and how they work from that, and, the, and I love them all so much. So, yeah. But, oh, that, that wasn't really the question, was it? The question was, uh, what are the hard bits? And, and this is the other thing with the year: you get injured, you get ill, you, and it's you know, I, I don't know what eight times fifty-two is, but that's a lot. That's a lot of shows. Kathy's got a calculator out. Four hundred sixteen. So yeah. It's a, it's a lot of shows and you've got to learn how to manage yourself and, you know, it's all well and good doing uh, a week-long run, which is all I'd ever really, really done before, especially as an adult, because you can sort of exert all your energy and just power through and then it's done. But, you know, you have days where you're really feeling vocally good and physically good and you have days where you're really not and you have days where you've had a great night's sleep and not a good... And it's, it's a whole new ball game how to sort of... Um, find the longevity of your performance because it's yeah you, you know it's, it's fine if you're good on a Monday but if you're done by a Saturday then you know you've got to find how you get through a week and get through a month and get through a year you know so that's been really valuable so it's it becomes a tiring lifestyle um, but yeah I mean I wouldn't trade it for anything I, I love it what do you do to get through those tiring days when you have to really check in with yourself and go right I'm in the West End. I'm living my dream. What What is that for you? Well, for caffeine, 100%. <laughs> which is probably not the healthiest of choices, but caffeine. 
Again, it was actually a conversation I was having with my friend Nicola, who's just about to start in Les Mis. Um, and she was like, she, I think she asked the question, how do you get through the bad days? And I didn't really know until I answered that actually, I think, about, I think about my good friend Alex, who didn't get the job. And I think about the rest of our year group, who are people I really care about, who, who want what I've got and haven't got it. And, and, and people who I regard as incredibly talented people. And that's very humbling then to realise that, there, you know, of course I worked really hard, but there's a massive amount of luck in... in you know, my in my good fortune, I guess. So it's humbling to remember how many people wanted it, how many people still want it, and you know, and and <laughs> you're getting paid for it, so get on and do it. Um, and also another thing, I've just moved to Elephant and Castle, so I actually walk to work every day, which is heavenly. I know you are living the ultimate dream. <laughs> Literally the, the London life. <laughs> but I walk over Waterloo Bridge every day, and like I see the skyline, and I don't know. There's something very nostalgic about it for me. I guess I, I remember like the little boy from Leeds who was desperate to live in London. It's, it's happened, and it's, it was, I think it was all very easy when I it was first happening. I was moving to London just to get whisked away and getting it all done. And now, now that I'm very much in the routine of it, you sort of sit back and you realise, oh my god, it's, it's actually happened, which is. So yeah, never forget how lucky I am, really. It's amazing. So you spoke earlier about being an angel in Kinky Boots. The angels are amazing and definitely make better women than I do. So <laughs> I'm a little bit upset about how good they walk in heels um, and dance in heels. Um, talking of drag, drag is something that's definitely on the up at the moment. I am a massive fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Love it. My boyfriend got me into it, actually, which is, yeah, I think it's just becoming a bit more mainstream. Um, is drag something that you've always been aware of? And just a second part to this question, what is the importance of drag? Not necessarily specifically in this show, but in society as a whole. Um, yeah, I guess I've always enjoyed drag. I'd, I, was, I was in an amateur production of Rent and I played Angel. I mean, if I looked at pictures of that now, I'd probably really cringe at myself. <laughs> yeah, not, it probably wasn't the most glamorous. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I've always been quite a liberal person and always encouraged anyone to do whatever they want to do. Um, and yeah, I, probably just before I went to drama school, I sort of discovered RuPaul's Drag Race and it was it was camp. I was like, at first of all, oh, this is kind of real tacky, but actually the more you get into it, like, it is, but it's so good. And and it's important. I mean, it's become so mainstream. Like, I guess the viewing ratings must be going sky high at the moment. Drag's just becoming such a mainstream art form, which I think is amazing, especially because we live in a time where gender fluidity is so prominent anyway, which I think is excellent. And and obviously drag is an art form and it's not necessarily about the performer's gender, but but they, I think they do go hand in hand just in so much as it's uh, like a liberalisation of gender full stop. So, um, yeah, it's important. And... It's amazing doing the show. I mean, it's, what's really amazing is you, you go out and we have this sort of big reveal where we throw off these big coats and you sort of you can sort of look at the audience a bit and whatever and you see a lot of husbands that their wives have obviously dragged them along and they're not impressed. And it's like, it, it, they are very confused and they're probably a bit intimidated by seven drag queens strutting around the stage. And by the end, everyone, without fail, is just like up on their feet and they've grown to love the whole sort of premise of the show. Um, so yeah, I mean it's kind of sad that the show's closing for that reason obviously I'm sad I won't be in it anymore but I'm really sad that 
London won't have this show, just based on the reaction we get every night, you know, it goes to show that we're definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and I think the fact that we're with drag queens is part of that. Um, but I mean, I'd never really done drag before the show, so I can't, everything I do, I sort of taught myself and took a bit of practice. But yeah, it's, I, I do enjoy it now. I'm not sure I'd, I'm not sure I'd ever really do it again. Um, yeah, I mean, I am an actor playing a drag queen. We do have some of our cast which are drag queens, and they are spectacular. But, um, yeah, I mean, the first time, it's pretty crazy when you've got, like, a wig on and this, suddenly all this long hair in your face and heels and corsets. It's a lot. So I take my hat off to anyone who is, like, a full-time drag queen. That's, that's a lot of commitment. But yeah, no, I, th- I think it's great. And I think with, um, with you see, with the people, like, the husband's, maybe sometimes being a bit funny about it mass generalisation here but um, I think with it going on tour I think London is usually very very liberal and it's quite a liberal part of the country I think it going around the country um, it'll be great to bring that story and that kind of story of acceptance to different parts of the country that might not necessarily be as open as London really Absolutely I think I think we live in a very liberal little bubble like when we when we voted to leave with Brexit I was genuinely gobsmacked I guess because everyone I knew everyone I know about and you know my whole little bubble is a very liberal little bubble where uh, where there isn't much uh, there isn't a regressive side to it really um, and I forget that kind of the rest of the world is like that um, but yeah no I think it's great that it's going out on tour I think I mean I really I'm sure it will be pulling in an audience but I mean they're going to places like Stoke-on-Trent and Wolverhampton and um places that aren't necessarily massively politically liberal or see many shows like Kinky Boots and yeah I mean like the last one of the last lines in the show is you change the world when you change your mind and it just kind of encompasses the whole point of it really and it encompasses the point of putting out on tour you know it's, yeah I think it's important on just on the topic of drag cuz obviously I have to stalk your Instagram to get the questions for today your 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 drag lady has a name, does she not? <laughs> she does. Wilma Ballsdrop. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Wilma Ballsdrop, everyone. So these are completely unofficial names, but um, uh, Simon, who plays Lola in the show, has a like a naming ceremony for all the angels, and it's every year when we get new angels, everyone's named, and they get like a little gift bag. It's really really cute, uh, but we all have to come up with real witty names. So I mean, there's some hilarious ones. There's Keisha Lorraine is a favourite. Um, page three, obviously when my balls drop. There's just some hilarious names that people come out with. Tran Frank is a, my favourite, probably the most politically incorrect, but Tran Frank. <laughs> there you go. I absolutely love it. (laughs) This is just a little mid-podcast plug for Jed. Jed is producing a concert in aid of performers in mind. The concert is called An Ode to Dreamers and it will be on Sunday the 27th of January at 9pm above the Arts. And that's the Arts Theatre that's in Leicester Square. There's some amazing people performing, including Jed himself, Lauren Byrne, Jordan Cunningham, Olivia Moore, Grace Moat, Rodney Vobia and a special guest appearance from Sophie Linderley. So make sure that you go and get tickets for that and that is on the 27th of January. Now back to the podcast. So how important is making time for yourself and socialising in this, like you said, this crazy bubble that we're in? Um, have you ever felt, you know, isolated from doing this job? Um, a bit. Not particularly. Um, I mean, I, m- I make time to see the people I want to see. Um, 
I think I think the hard thing is, unless my friends are in shows, a lot of the time their schedule and their, the way that their time works throughout the day is completely different to mine. I'm completely nocturnal now. Um, but you know, if you know, make an effort, <laughs> and um, and I do for the people that I want to. Um, and you know, I do make it to some gatherings with friends, or whatever, and it's always nice to catch up. But the other thing, you know. At drama school, I think there's probably a bit of an illusion that you're going to be best friends with everyone forever. And you very quickly realise the people that you want to spend time with. And it's not that there's any dislike to anyone else, but you know there isn't enough time in the day to see everyone. And you just realise the people that are your people and the people that you know are lovely, but you just probably don't have as close a connection with. Um, I guess a bit of isolation. You know, I have friends. You know, friends that meet all the time, and you know, I, I'm just not available to do that. But again, it's that thing of well. It's what they want. I've got so. <laughs> you seem to have such a good head on you. Like having been through like what you said at the start, and like you just seem to have such a good balance of what you need in your life. It's it's lovely. How how do you think you got to this point of really clued up on your own mental health, knowing exactly what you need to do to make you happy? You know, for me, I think it's sad to say, but probably just allowing it to get to a place where I was so completely unhappy with how I was feeling mentally um, and, and I think the fact that I was so fortunate to get to a place of stability so quick it gave me the time and the space and the freedom to be able to do that um, but yeah I mean I wasn't happy where I was and I don't know I guess I've always been so like painfully driven just to get whatever I want I wanted to be happy and and it wasn't a case of just like pretend to be happy and I will be it's actually just sort of dissecting what are the behaviours what are the trends what am I what am I doing? Why is this happening? And, and, and you know, mental health, as I said earlier, is it's part of everyone's life. And I think it'd be disillusional to say that anyone hasn't had times of bad mental health. And it's just how you deal with it, really, that makes you the person you are. I, I, yeah, I guess I guess just sort of be able to find peace with myself and peace with the fact that it's part of the human condition, I guess. So seeing as we were just talking about it, it's like you're reading our minds. What is happiness to you? that's such a big question um, you know what? I probably would never have said this before but peace like being at peace with myself I guess if you'd asked me five years ago I probably would have said happiness is success and working hard which you know for me personally that's still part of it but um, actually just complete self acceptance god that's such a hard question what is happiness Increasingly, my family, um, yeah, I realised how much I actually appreciate them. I guess now that I don't live with them and that kind of thing. Um, and just good relationships. And being able to let go of relationships that aren't good for you. And, and being at peace with that as well. It doesn't have to be viewed as a negative. It's actually just part of our evolution, just moving on from the things that aren't good for you, I guess. Yeah, I guess... I guess in broad terms just being at peace really or trying to be (laughs) so you said at the start of the podcast about your anxiety and how you know you put up a block was it you said to not go and you know get an actual diagnosis would you go and get help in the future now that mental health is openly well on on the way to getting openly spoken about doesn't it make sense (laughs) yeah yeah makes sense makes sense lads Um, yeah, would you go and get medical help if you thought, okay, this is getting a bit much, what am I going to do? Or would you deal with it on your own again? 
Sure. Um, yeah, I think more so now I probably would. Um, I think I've probably... I don't have as much of a chip on my shoulder anymore. Probably a bit less pride and wouldn't feel the need to sort of fool anyone into the fact that I'm okay. Um, I, I still... I still am, I'm, I'm actually really proud of the fact that I sort of helped myself and when I did it myself, some people uh, need a diagnosis, some people need medication, some people need a, a therapy or a behavioural therapy, and that is completely fine. Um, and I guess maybe if, if I, I didn't get through it, maybe I would have gone and done that, but I like to think I probably have the tools for myself to be able to know how to maybe at least a, approach how I'm feeling, even if I can't solve it. Um, but yeah, I would not be adverse to going and getting help. Um, but yeah, again, it's that thing about I'm always reluctant to put a, a specific label on anything. It, as I said, it's part of the human condition. We all have good times and bad times, and and sometimes people need a bit extra help to get through that, and that's fine. But yeah, I guess I guess we we'll see. If I was ever in danger or felt like I was endangering myself, then absolutely. But I, I'm proud of the fact that. I, worked on it myself what pressures does success bring the pressure to carry on being successful I guess um, you know I've had auditions since I got the job and in fact the first audition I had uh, since being in Kinky Boots was pretty disastrous <laughs> like it was not good um, and part of that was I, my, my role in the show, or my, I, I understudy a role, but I also, my usual role in the show doesn't have any solo singing, doesn't have any dialogue. So I was going to this audition having not sung like on my own for a really long time. And actually that's pretty terrifying when you think about it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's part of the pressure. And the part of the pressure is to maintain what you have uh, in terms of your performance. I mean... Kinky Boots has the most amazing fan base and it's huge and it's uh, unexpected. I didn't quite expect there to be that many, that bigger fan base and that people that are that passionate about it. But there's people who really care about the show and really care about their involvement in it and also what what we give out on stage. Um, so it's not about pleasing the fans, but I guess, you know, it kind of then brings home the fact that people are paying our wages, essentially, the people that are watching the show. Um... And you don't want to let let your colleagues down, but yeah, I, I guess I guess it's to keep on going, really. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a it'd be disillusional to say that's always going to be the case, and it's part of just being a performer is highs and lows and times of employment, times of not. So, but yeah, this the irrational pressure is to keep going. <laughs> so finally, we're asking everyone this question. It was Scarlett's idea. Do you think that you could walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Depends what room. <laughs> with, with my close colleagues, with my angels, absolutely. And I think in our room we're actually really aware of that and aware that, again, we all face good times and bad times and we're quite good at respecting each other in that sense. In a professional setting where I wasn't so comfortable probably not in truth I mean it's hard because you know there's always got to be that balance of professionalism and it depends about I guess it depends on the level of personal relationship you have with those people so in my dressing room absolutely not sure if I was going into a new rehearsal room with a new company potentially that I'd 
be willing to volunteer that straight away, which might be might be quite sad, really, in truth, that I wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah. No, some rooms. If someone asked you how you were, if someone was like, how are you doing? Like, actually, how are you doing? Who you didn't know that well, would you say, if you weren't? I like to think so. Yeah, probably. I'd probably be willing to do that. I probably wouldn't be so... I probably wouldn't volunteer the information, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> Amazing. It's been so great to hear you chat, Jeff. Thank you so much. We're going to finish with another game, because why not? Okay, this is called Finish the Sentence. Are you ready? You must be quick. So, ready? Ready. Let's do it. When I graduated, I thought that... I was the shit. <laughs> Wait, does that have to be true, do they? But whatever you want, first thing oh, that comes into your head. Into my head. Okay, cool. D- did you think that? A bit. You see, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> my favourite tongue twister is? Two trots t- trotting towards Tuxbridge. See, I can't even do it. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. <laughs> my guilty pleasure is? <laughs> I was going to say pornography, but I can't say that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say pornography. I'm going to say... Oh, yeah, pornography, sure. I mean, it's not true, but there you go. (laughs) Mental health to me means... Finding peace. If I could have three things with me on a desert island, it would be... Johnson's baby lotion. (laughs) It's the only thing I moisturise my face with. Um, You do have beautiful skin. Oh, thank you. Um, Am I allowed things like my phone? Is that allowed? Oh, my phone, 100%. And this is hard, that's a hard question. Th- only three items. Maybe like my vans. I love a pair of vans. Yeah, Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Last one. In the future, I want to be a boss ass bitch. <laughs> oh yes, you're so sassy, and I love you. You're great. Thank you so much, Jed. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. You can contact her on 07432 121 590. Mary is also holding one-on-one sessions at an actor-friendly price of £25. So if you're interested, then please contact us please click subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We want to reach as many creators as possible and this isn't possible without ratings from you, our lovely listeners. Please share, tell a friend and continue to spread the word as it really could help someone. Of course, you know where to find us on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at Industry Minds UK. Tune back in next week for another episode.